0: This is the Fountain City Church Podcast, Breakdown Episodes. Uh, I am joined here today by the lovely Chrissy Collins.
1: Hi, guys.
0: (laughs) And I'm Grant (laughs) Collins. Uh, Thanks for listening in and tuning in. We are uh, featuring a breakdown session today um, as we continue our vision series for 2020. And we're talking about what it means to cultivate the ground beneath your feet. Um, Specifically this week, we focused on um, creating space for God. And so we just wanted to talk around that topic because it is broad and we really wanted to connect the scriptures with our daily lives. Um, But we also recognize for you uh, and for us that there are so many issues that are connected to this topic um, that we feel like is really relevant for today and for how you make space for God um, in these different areas um, of your life. Yep. Thanks for that, Chrissy. Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) I have a cold, (laughs) (laughs) y'all.
0: She looks as pitiful as she sounds right now. She's just kind of like curled up with a sweatshirt on and drinking something that smells toxic.
1: Oh, it's so good though. It is, do you want me to share the secret with them? Sure, It's pretty tasty. Wouldn't you agree? Okay, tell them. All right, it is fresh ginger, fresh turmeric. Weird. It needs to be fresh. Don't use the spice. Go and look for it. I found it at Publix here in town. Um, I'm warning you up front. It turns your fingers orange. Like an orange yellow. And
0: it looks (laughs) disgusting. Like, I looked in the fridge the other day, and it looks like a bunch of wrinkled up old fingers (laughs) in a container. It is so nasty. It
1: kind of looks like worms, too. You know, like real worms. Anyways, um, (laughs) Lily today saw it and she was like, what is that? (laughs) But, um, and then, so fresh turmeric, fresh ginger, um, some water, like three cups of filtered water, fresh lemon juice, and some cayenne, and then boil it for a little bit on the stove, like three minutes, and then filter it, like get one of those mesh strainers, filter it, and then drink up and all of your answered prayers will be available.
0: (laughs) She says this, but she's been drinking it and she has a cold now. So I don't know. That's true.
1: It's just my time. You know, it's my time. Everybody else has had their time to be sick and now it's my time.
0: That's what we think. So you may hear a little rain in the background. We are sitting in the auditorium space for Fountain City and we're just kind of chilling in here while Chrissy drinks her toxic solution and, um, Yeah, so we just want to kind of talk through what happened this weekend and how this applies to your life. Uh, Chris, do you have anything that, like, right off the cuff just stands out to you that you wanted to ask questions about or make mention of?
1: Um, The thing that we want to say is one of the reasons that we're doing these breakdowns is... um, (laughs) You're holding this right in my face. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep talking. Okay. We have one mic, okay? And so every time I talk, (laughs) Grant takes the mic and literally holds it right in my face, like literally like an inch from my nose. I have
0: to because you have a cold and you're talking really quietly in a big (laughs) open room. (laughs) Bear with us.
1: Okay. So we want... You literally almost hit me in the face with this right now. (laughs) Um, We want to demystify... um, some of the sermons, uh, they're fantastic. Obviously, if you've ever heard Grant preach, he is such a fantastic communicator. But you only have a limited amount of time on Sundays to communicate something. And so one of the reasons why we wanted to do these breakdowns is because we want you guys to know that what we're talking about is really applicable. And and even though I, I think what happens is a lot of people come into church on Sundays. We listen to these high inspiration messages that are, um, completely biblical and, and, um, and necessary for our lives. But a lot of times what happens is we don't change the rhythm of our lives. Um, and we don't know how to respond to them in a really practical way. And so this is why we do the breakdowns is because we want you to know that it is applicable. It is practical. Um, and we want to encourage you to start questioning, how am I incorporating what I'm hearing on Sunday into my everyday life throughout the week? And so um, that's really why we're doing this.
0: Very good. Um, so this past weekend, we talked through kind of three major movements in the scriptures of places where God, uh, he, he shows up, where he has filled these spaces. Um, and they were kind of like, like iconic spaces all throughout the the history of Israel and we kind of want to talk through those individual spaces and and really like unpack it a bit um, the three spaces real quick it might be helpful just to kind of recap like twenty seconds yeah um, the three spaces that we were focusing on are how God shows up in tabernacles in temples and in tents um, first off the tabernacle was the portable meeting place with god is a space that the israelites were commanded to build and god gave them very specific instructions and requirements on what the space looked like and what happened there uh, and how they were to meet with him and when moses had it constructed the scripture says that the the presence of god filled the place the glory of god descended like a cloud and the levitical priests couldn't even serve there nobody could approach the tent of meeting because god's presence was so thick Uh, We see later on King David settles the kingdom of Israel, and he starts to dream about building God a house. Um, And, of course, God delays it and says, no, you're not going to do it. Your son's going to do it. But he does the same thing. There's this set of instructions that David develops. And uh, I don't remember if it was like God required all of these specific things, but they were very illustrative of the same movement. I I do believe so. It was the same kind of thing where there was lots of descriptions on how he was supposed to build this place. And what happens here, and it was essentially the tabernacle, but permanent. It was this brick-and-mortar space. It was cedar logs, and it was acacia wood, and it was, you know, walls overlaid with gold. And so we see what was portable and smaller becomes larger and not portable. Um, and we saw God's presence and glory fall on that place in the same measure. Uh, and said so the the glory of the Lord descended on the temple and the Levitical priest couldn't serve because it was too thick. It was His manifest presence was too strong. Uh, and the final thing was a tent. If the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians uh, talks about how our bodies are tents. And, um, and so we talked about how God descends on tents, on individuals. He, in Acts chapter 2, comes by his spirit and doesn't just descend in cloud like he does in the Old Testament. Uh, but in the New Testament, he descends by fire. We see these tongues of fire resting on the heads of the disciples and those who were in the upper room seeking him. Um, And this is just a sign again of his presence and his spirit dwelling among his people. Uh, And so we see these incredible like three movements. But the question is, what in the world does that mean for us right now, right? I mean, like, so Chrissy, when you hear about tabernacles, or maybe we should start with tent, like personal stuff. When you hear about like making space for God individually, and in your life, what do you think about?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think about intimacy with God. How am I cultivating spaces of intimacy where I am personally, privately engaging with God? And so, um, That looks like daily. How am I doing that? How am I making space for God in my schedule? Am I waking up early to spend time with Him or am I doing it into the evenings? It's okay for you, evening people, if that's what you choose to do. Um, But how are you daily making space for God? Does it look like, um, you know, it, 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 I think for each one of us, that looks a little bit different for, I'm trying to push into prayer more this year. This is something that I really want to grow in. I think this is something that we feel um, our community, we want our community to grow in prayer. And this is just something that Grant and I both have felt like, you know, we really need to, to learn more about prayer. We need to know how to teach more about prayer and how to lead other people into prayer, but also just personally, how am I cultivating my prayer life with the Lord, that intimacy, those moments where I'm really honing in and spending time with the Lord, um, in, in that secret place where it's just he and I. And so that's really an area for me right now, um, where I'm really trying to focus. What about you?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think when I'm, when I'm thinking about the tent and I'm thinking about like how I'm making space for God in my personal life, I tend to think, immediately about like the disciplines the spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices depending on like how affected you are by the word discipline (laughs) so if if you tend to be a a kind of rebel then the word discipline might make you itch a little Um, but those spiritual practices those uh, those disciplines that we put in place in our life tend to be the thing that shows up for me Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that most of us we interact with God based on how we feel um, And I think that that can be a pretty tragic pattern in life. Like I know Christy and I were talking, even as we were preparing for this, like leading into 2020, you know, our church is practicing a Daniel fast, or at least several, many of us here are practicing Daniel fast. Um, we're trying to create multiple places and spaces for prayer and worship. Um, but when it comes to like a Bible reading plan, which I normally start on day one of Uh, of the year I have been really like slow this year I don't and I I don't really know why I've been asking the Lord and kind of working through like what is it that's keeping me hampered or feeling like slow to just um, commit to a rhythm of scripture Um, or I think about my prayer times and how like up and down those can be because I don't have you know we have young kids and we have school and we're doing church planning and all these things and those can be just kind of creative excuses for not doing what I know is going to be the most life-giving. And that is just spending quiet time on my face before the Lord where I'm listening for His voice. And I'm speaking to Him what what I feel the Spirit mining out in my own heart. Uh, issues I'm going through or emotions I'm feeling. Or even requests for our community and things I'm bringing before Him. So I kind of bump into like myself. You know, in that space, if I'm making space for God, a lot of it has to do with the priority of like scheduling and making space for like building containers for the Holy Spirit to fill. And so um, for me, what I have found works the best is taking the first hour and a half of my day. um, And this obviously is going to vary for different people and your schedules, but I'll take the first hour to hour and a half of my day. Um, And I try to commit that to being in the Word, uh, to sitting quietly before God, and to praying and worshiping. And so uh, my friend Dick Brogdon and so many other um, friends who are workers um, all over the world, they usually suggest like tithing your time. And so take the first part of your day, like if you break that down, that's two to two and a half hours. Uh, Most of the time I can't do two to two and a half hours in the morning um but i can give an hour or i can give an hour and a half and so i think that's the first place i jump to is like i want to create spaces where god can enter in in my life and most of the time that looks like taking an hour and just reading through a passage of scripture and writing or journaling on bits that really stand out to me that i feel like the holy spirit speaking to me and then sitting quietly with god and listening for his voice um but again i think you know, we have to address the fact that we are so feelings oriented. And if we're tired or weary or our diet sucks, or you know what I mean? Like yeah. all of those things somehow can actually hamper my ability to make space for God. Um, that's what I think about.
1: I don't know if that's helpful or not. It's really helpful. And I think we're just so busy, you know, and I know something that you mentioned in your sermon, which is something that you and I talk about a lot when we when we begin talking about culture right now um, is just this individual, individualistic society that we live in right now. Um, it's difficult to make space. People have a hard time, you know, changing up the rhythm of their life. Um, why do you think it's important for us to make space? Why do you think it's, this is, um, a vital message, not only for our church, but for our generation right now?
0: You know, we're, we're just at an interesting cross-section in our culture. Um, right now, we have these different streams that are moving through our culture. So you have um, it, an emotional health or maybe, I don't, I don't know if that's the yeah. best way to say it, but yeah. like everything seems to be centered around emotional health, which has really brought to the surface this need for margins and self-care um, and self-love and really just taking care of yourself. Um, and that's probably like, there's some extremes in that. There's, um, there's a lot of extremes in that. You know, even like Christy and I love counseling and therapy. We believe in that, believe in people going to get help and to work through issues. And I believe in that beyond pastoral counseling too, you know, like I believe in going to someone um, who is a Christian therapist, but who can walk you through situational circumstances and issues in your life. Um, So we're seeing that in one stream where it's really emphasizing some brokenness. But I think we're also finding that most people are filling their schedules every single day and every single night with stuff to do. Um, And so I I think we are scared to death to just sit still and do nothing. Uh, Like one of the conversations in our house all the time right now is Lily or Nora saying, hey, where are we going tonight? And there's this like entitled perspective that we are going to go and do something exciting and fun and probably expensive every night. And for Christy and I, you know, Chrissy's a seven on the Enneagram. She loves possibly. fun. Not possibly. She's
1: we don't know. That's still up for debate. We don't know. I may be a nine with an eight wing. Listen, are you guys Enneagram <laughs> people? Let's talk. I Her- need for somebody to come and sit in front of me and help me. Look, I have read the books. I even talk to other people. Are you? What are you doing?
0: You have a cold and you're breathing in my face.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Guys, he won't even kiss me right now.
0: I won't. Chrissy always evaluates everything based on whether or not it's going to be fun. Okay. That's what I'm trying to get at. And even so, like she and I are having to teach our kids that like boredom and spaces where there's not a whole lot going on uh, is just part of life. It's actually part of maturity and learning how to create Um, You know, like we fill our spaces with all these things that don't matter, event after event after event, program after program, a sports activity after sports activity. And I know there's merit in some of those things, but we're in a culture where you can stay busy 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you can lead an empty and weary and exhausted and disconnected life doing it. And that's terrifying to me that I can fill my calendar up and somehow come away feeling worse, feeling more disconnected from people, more disconnected from who God has made me to be, more disconnected from who he is. And so I think it is vitally important that we do learn to slow down. And there are, man, much better voices who have studied like psychology and uh, anatomy and how, how the body works and how God has created you for rhythms. and um, I, I'm not that guy, but I, I am drawn to that because my nature is to go into overdrive from the second I get up and to work until 1 or 2 a.m., legitimately. And so a lot of the people that I'm close to in our community kind of pick at me and poke at me, like Caleb Money, if he listens to this. He pokes at me all the time because I send texts late at night I send emails late at night, that's when my brain starts going and um, things slow down enough to where I can get a lot of other work done. And so I think it's just really valuable for us to figure out, man, how do we stomp on the break, like pump the break in our life, commit to doing, you know, one or two things really well, and all the other things say no to. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a real challenge. Um and obviously like i'm viewing this from the perspective of a pastor like i believe you should go to a weekend worship gathering a service at a church with a group of people you are committed to and then like attend some kind of midweek community where you are doing life on life you're sharing a meal with people you're being vulnerable and practicing authenticity uh, talking about where you actually are what your struggles are what your conflict is
1: Um, why is that important
0: Because we don't grow apart from that, you know. Like we, I've grown up in church. I watched people who've been in church for twenty and thirty and forty years, um, and they can maybe quote scripture, but they're like really emotionally unhealthy and emotional infants. Emotional Emotional infants. Yeah, like mean and not dealing with anger. And not understanding that that's actually leading them away from the kingdom of God. Yeah. You can quote more scripture, but you're being led away from the kingdom of God because you won't deal with what's going on under the surface of your life. Yeah. Um, and we can't just rubber stamp, you know, I've been saved or I've been filled with I was filled with the spirit when I was 12. And so now I can be mean as a snake as long as I had that experience then and that somehow that excuses it or that everybody's OK with it. Um, that's just not how it works. And, um, in midweek communities or house churches or missional communities or whatever you want to call them, the thing that you can't do when you're committed to them for a long time is you can't hide, you know, it, when we started Fountain City, uh, we started with people in our home and then we, we multiplied those groups out into other homes and we had a Thursday night community and I realized it took us about nine months to a year for people to get comfortable enough to actually start telling the truth about what was happening. People were still just hiding behind um, nice sounding prayers and worship, Um, but people weren't telling the truth. And so I just feel like committing to a gathering space where we're devoted to worship and prayer and the mobilization of like God's mission in the earth, that's vital. And then commit to one other thing. And then in big social gatherings, like. Like It's important to realize that church is not the center point of people's community anymore. They're finding community all over the place. And so when we talk about this, um, it's important for us to chase simplicity and simplifying our lives and slowing down so that we can really be formed and take that time to allow God to affect our lives in those spaces in a way that makes sense. Um, And right now, I just feel like people are too busy, you know, just flat out, just too busy in life. And so that's why I think it's so important uh, to slow down and to make space there.
1: Yeah, something I've been thinking a lot about recently is um, I read that um, this is the loneliest time in history, that we are more lonelier than we've ever been. And what is striking to me about that is that we are connected on all cylinders, You know, in every way, we are more connected than ever, but more lonelier than ever. And um, I think that one thing that comes up a lot in my circles and with women that I'm talking to a lot is we are craving. People are craving community, not just women, but men. Um, We crave community. We crave freedom. And what I'm finding is that we're craving these things, but we're not cultivating rhythms in our lives where we're actually experiencing these things. And so, getting people to commit to um, to a place or a body of people who uh, you know, and I think it's one of the most difficult things you will you will do, is is this is this piece is putting your root roots down and committing. Whether that's because um, you know maybe you're not. Um, you know you don't have a lot in common with 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 the people that you go to church with or the people in your church communities and i think community is really difficult and also a lot of us are busy a lot of us have small children and we have to kind of weigh out what we can and cannot do but also it is the most vital piece to you growing as a christ follower i honestly don't know why you would want to be a christ follower if you really don't want to grow (laughs) it doesn't make any sense you know um This is such a vital piece. And so I would say if you are listening um, and you are craving community and you are craving freedom and you are craving peace and you are craving, I I find that these are the these are the things that people long for. These are the things that people desire most. But it is going to come out of deciding to commit to the disciplines and doing them, deciding to. Um, Setting up your life in such a way where you can cultivate intimacy with God um, and and intimacy with others. It's not going to be natural, um, especially in the beginning. But I promise you it is it is what paves the way for you to find all the things that you are longing for, all the things that you are craving.
0: Yeah, I think another way to say that is if you don't embrace self limitation you're never going to experience the fullness of community and a life that is being transformed by the gospel you can't grow fast you know and in our culture we want everything cheap and fast and we want it in in whatever you know shade or perspective we like things Um, and that's just that's not how life works you know like uh, i wish my kids when they were born would automatically have come out, you know, with all of the education that they need and all of the um you know, the ability to mature themselves and feed themselves, but that's not how growth happens. It's uh we we start this process immature and we need uh growth over time to mature. And I think for a lot of us, we're just not willing to embrace self-limitation. And so I think when we're talking about our personal lives, like that is a big deal. But that also like springboards us into tabernacles you know and like how do we make space for god in our homes um i think for most people this feels foreign yeah um i know it was like i grew up in a family where we did ministry on sundays but then our homes oftentimes i mean we had friends and my fam- my family would have people in but it was kind of our layer of seclusion you know and particularly like i'm an introvert so i i highly value Um, being in quiet spaces and things like that. But it's a really different ballgame when you start viewing your home or your apartment or your house or wherever you're living, your tent in the woods (laughs) as a space where um, God can dwell with you and you can bring other people into that. Um, And so one of the things that really stands out to me when I think about that is I, I think about this subject of consecration and holiness, Um, And I know that sounds strange, particularly with tabernacles, but like there is something about the space that you have and treating it with honor and respect. Like uh, God really started to challenge me that what what I watch in my home, the kinds of conversations I have in my home, um, a conflict like the way that we do conflict in our house, that that has uh, an, an effect on his presence and his power and his capacity to use our home for his glory. And I know that may sound really detached for a lot of you, but we want to make our home um, a place where the spirit can dwell, you know. And uh, I've heard it said, like the scripture describes him as lofting on Jesus like a dove. And we have to live so gently, you know, so open to the spirit that we understand that if if we live life too brashly and we're not being gentle and aware of his presence, um, that... You know, he might not exist in that in that space in the same fashion. So we really like, want to walk tenderly with that. We want to evaluate like our conversations and what we're watching and how we're using our home. And within that, we also have created space, you know. So for like the last nine months, we've had a Thursday night community that was in our house um, where we fill it with fun and laughter, but also with conversations about the Lord and prayer and worship. And we did that for, you know, months before that when we launched the church. And so I think this idea, like what keeps people from allowing people to enter into their home um, in, in a way that they can meet with God together? What do you think limits that, babe?
1: I mean, I think it's probably a few different reasons why I think fear has a lot to do with it. I think I talk to, we see people and talk to people all the time who are afraid to, um, to enter into a space for one reason or another, whether that be social anxiety or whether that be people that just have a hard time trusting others or allowing people in or allowing themselves to be vulnerable, um, maybe because they've been burned before or maybe just because of anxiety. I think um, temperament has a lot to do with it. You mentioned earlier how you're an introverted person and maybe sometimes social gatherings can be um, difficult. Um, I think a lot of it is probably because, uh, we have young kids and they're on schedules. And so that makes, um, schedules more tight for us. Um, I think that, um, some of us just have gotten into a rhythm where we work and we come home and we're tired and we want to eat and veg in front of the TV, watch some Netflix, not saying there's anything wrong with that. Obviously you and I love doing that as well. Um, And so I think life just can, can get in the way in a variety of ways and reasons. But I do think that, um, I do think that we have to get to this place where when we start asking the hard questions, when we start going, God, I want to live into my purpose. And I think this is what people are asking. I think people want to know what their purpose is. And I think that they want to hear from the Lord. I do think that when we start asking these questions, and I do think that if we really want to be able to receive the answer, I think a huge portion of that has to be we have to make space um, and availability in our schedules, Um, not only for intimacy with the Lord one-on-one, but it also includes His church and people. And I think that... um, We cannot grow and we can't fully know our purpose if we are hoarding our time. Um, And so I am not saying that there's anything wrong with putting your kids on a schedule or vegging out. I am not saying any of that. I mean, obviously, we live that kind of life. I do think, though, that if you're listening to this or if you're in the body of Christ and you want to grow, And you want to transform and you want to become an emotionally healthy person, um, then I think that it's going to look like asking God, my time is uh, right now is going to these things. And I'm not making a whole lot of space for these things that I think are probably important. And how do I do that? And I think it's going to look like adjusting a lot of adjustment and a lot of sacrifice. And a lot of vulnerability and a lot of honesty. And so um, I, th- I think it's how we grow. I think it's a necessary question. I think it's really difficult. Um, I think it's one of the most stretching things we will ever do. Um, but I do think that life gets in the way and we think that we don't need um We don't need to make spaces. We don't need community. We've got community on Sunday when we come to church and um, maybe we listen to a cool podcast or watch a sermon, but Mm -hmm. um, it's empty. Yeah.
0: Yeah, One of the things I think of is that um, community is difficult to build in two hours on a Sunday. Uh, Just plain and simple. Like if you're spending two hours anywhere once a week, uh, that may be a part of your rhythm, but it's not your community. And, you know, to the point that I was making earlier, I think the church used to be at the center point of what of a person's community. They weren't looking to your gym friends as a community or even your your vocation, your workmates. Um, They were drawing their primary understanding of what their community was, which is the people who share my culture and my values and the activities that I carry out. Um, And so I think we actually need like a and I may have said this earlier, but a rebirth of that kind of um, community-based culture, you know? And I really do think if you're a Christ follower, that's meant to be lived in the body of the church. That's meant to be lived um, from that kingdom perspective. And your home becomes this rallying station where that can happen really well. And so I think, honestly, the two things that stand out to me as being the hardest things that stand against us in forming community in our homes is a lack of intentionality um, and inconvenience. Those two things, you know, because um, making space for other people in your home on a consistent basis, particularly if you have a young family, is really inconvenient. Um, You have to go to great lengths to make sure that this is something that's sustainable. Um, But it's something that is so valuable when you start to create space for other people. And so while I think, you know, we've got to make sure that there's margin and people are staying alive, you know, like that we can do life in a sustainable way. Um, Community is part of doing life in a sustainable way. And sometimes we embrace the messiness of community in our homes so that we are living a life that is deeply rooted, is built in strength, and is connected. Um, And I think a lot of people are lacking that because they feel like they're too tired. But if you're listening to this, one of the reasons you're too tired is that you don't have enough intimate connection with people who are giving you life and you're giving life to them back. A lot of times we cut off those relationships because we feel like we're too busy, and then it's a self-propagating um, disease, you know? Like we don't have any strength in our life because we don't have people in our life to hold us up and that we can encourage in the same way. Uh, so it is inconvenient, so just embrace that. Like embrace the, the, the inconvenience of making a change that creates space for others. Um, but literally, like look around your place and just see like, can I bring people in here You know, do I have too much junk piled up around? Do I have boxes everywhere? Like it's a physical space, but also my calendar space. Like do I have margin in my life for others? Um, But the second thing is you just have to be intentional, which means you take a step and you make it a priority. Um, And we kind of carry that conviction between Christy and I. We fight to make important things important. And what I mean by that is we take those things that we hold as a high value and whether or not they're convenient or naturally fit into our schedule, we, we put them in our schedule and then we work our schedule around them. Um, so like church on Sunday mornings, I'm a pastor. Church on Sunday mornings is not always convenient, you know, and we have to be intentional to make that a priority. Um, or meeting in midweeks, you know, in people's homes, that has to be intentional. Um, or just doing one-to-one, you know, face-to-face meetings with people that we love. Um, we feel like God's called us to help in this journey Um, That's an intentional thing. And so I think that that's a really beautiful space for us to kind of lean into uh, together as making space in these places that we call tabernacles. But then we have this final space. It's this space that we call temples. And um, again, it's this, how how does God fill like our gathering times? And when we're together on the weekends, what happens when the church comes together? And how do we actually make space for God to move in those spots? So... Um, Chris, I think like when, when, even when I say that, I think most people are thinking, well, aren't we doing that? Like we're at church to make space for God. Um, but it's possible, right? To come and sit in the seats every single week and to just kind of fit into your ritual or routine and not really create space for the Lord to do what he wants to do. And so what does that look like for you?
1: When I'm on my way to church, I, I usually will have this thought Um, you know, if you have young kids and you're on your way to church, a lot of times you're thinking, I've got to get them ready. I got to get them in the car so that I can get to church on time. And one thing that I've tried to keep really consistent in my life personally is when I'm on the way, I ask myself or I talk to the Lord just very quietly. And I say, God, help me to remember to make space for you. Help me to remember to make my life available today, whatever that looks like, whether it's serving a need that we have at the church, or if it's just listening to the Lord, maybe he may give me a word for someone or uh, for the people in the seats, or it may just be listening to someone that needs um, to be prayed for or that needs to talk. And so whatever it looks like, I just try to be really intentional with the Lord and that is a rhythm that I personally have adopted on the way and when I come into the door because it is so easy to get into a seat and to be consumed by life you know especially as young parents or um, you know even just if you're coming in and you're new or maybe you don't know a lot of people or connect with a lot of people you're mine you can just kind of get stuck in your head and so one of like I said one of the rhythms that I've adopted is on the way here I make sure that I at some point before I enter in to, to these doors, I ask myself that question. I asked the Lord that question, help me to remember to leave space for you. How can I make myself available? Um, and so that's something that I have adopted, um, as a personal habit, because I recognize that I can easily be swayed, um, that I can easily be consumed with a thought or, um, or with my own fears or insecurities when I come in. So yeah, what about you?
0: I think, you know, I'm usually over the direction of the service. And so, um, in that respect, you know, I have this prayer that I pray every Sunday, um, and actually most days. And that's just, Lord, what do you want to do today? Uh, what's on your agenda that's not on mine and that where I need to adjust what we're doing. You know, I do my best in preparation too to make space and say, God, what do you want to do for this weekend? But I'm kind of a feeler, and so a lot of times I'll walk into a space, and I'm I'm listening for the Lord. I'm looking at how people are in the space, and I'm trying to be receptive to what the Spirit might want to do, this particular in this context, you know. And so, that becomes really important for me. Um, I also, just in a very like practical way, we create space inside of our worship setting, and like on the back end, on the uh, at the end of the last song we let it breathe for a minute and a lot of times we'll segue but we will create you know 60 or 120 or 180 you know one to three minutes of of silence where we're waiting on the lord we just want to see if he has anything to say or if he's doing anything um and often in the room one of the ways that we make space for god is i'm I'm looking for people who operate in uh, that prophetic gifting maybe more than others and uh, we're at the size and of our congregation right now to where this is possible. You know, like I can see the eyeballs of everybody in the room at this point. Um, and so if somebody has a word or they feel like the Lord is encouraging in a certain direction, we just make space right there. And um, and that's a trusted thing, you know, with a group of people, but I can create space. Um, but I do give God, you know, he, he's got um, freedom to change what we do completely on any given day and has done that quite often. So, I think for me, that's a big one on how we create space for God in our services. One thing that I came to terms with this past weekend was, you know, we've been making space for his voice in the service. But I haven't been making space for his power in the way that um, I feel like God's leading. And so what that looks like for us in this season is that we need to be like hyper aware um, of creating prayer teams and people who are praying for one another. And so, even Sunday, if you were here, man, we took some time and had people break down into prayer groups, and it was the most powerful part of our morning. Um, My message was not the best thing that happened Sunday morning. Um, I don't think worship was the best thing that happened. Worship was great, though. Um, I hope my message was okay. (laughs) But within that, the best thing that happened was people walking around and praying for each other, and there were people weeping, and people had things broken off of their lives, and there were strongholds being broken, and... I just kind of reflected on the fact that people should not be able to enter this church and leave the same way, you know? Mm -hmm. If they're coming in with issues or brokenness or despair, I'm not saying we tie it all up in a knot in a single service. What I am saying is there is this dunamis power, this dynamite power of God that we believe in, and for us to create space for God to intervene means that we have to create spaces for prayer. We have to with the laying on of hands, with believing in faith for healing and wholeness. Uh, And so I think those are the things I think about. Um, But I think no matter where you're at in this conversation, you know, where Chrissy and I have really fallen back over the past year, I suppose, you know, we moved from working for a a larger church, a couple larger churches, to doing um, missionary work, which was working with house churches uh, in the Middle East and Central Asia. Um, and then we came back and planted a church, and so we're seeing these different levels of what God does in spaces, and how he fills those places that you set apart to him, and so really the invitation that we just want to give to you is that if you will step out and create space, God will fill it. If you create space in your personal life, uh, through the disciplines, in your home, through bringing people in, and Uh, practicing reading the scriptures together or praying or sharing a meal, like God will fill that space. And he will do what only God can do when you create space for others to come near. Uh, And finally, in our gatherings, man, I pray that you'll create some space. And, uh, And for you who you're not controlling a service or leading anything, that when you come in, like Chrissy said, that you will be attentive to the needs around you and allow God to work and to shape your life in that way. And also that we will be people who come in prepared and ready in faith um, so that we can contribute to what God's doing in an environment. I think that's really special. So thanks for listening in today. Uh, We really appreciate you taking the time and we hope that it is really making an impact on your life. Chrissy, any final words?
1: Good day. (laughs) Good,
0: good day to you, friends and acquaintances.
1: Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for joining us. These are just dialogues really between grant and i but in hopes that you guys will join in as well so thanks for listening
0: peace